Under the Tartan Sky, Episode 25, produced 10 February 2016. It's been called one of the great railway journeys in the world. Scotland's Jacobite steam train is a journey of nostalgia, romance, and breathtaking scenery as the locomotive huffs and puffs through the Western Highlands from Fort William to Maleg. I'm Glenn Moyer, and when we come back, it's all aboard for a virtual ride on the Jacobite steam train, or if you prefer, Harry Potter's Hogwarts Express with our conductor, guard Florence McLean. We're met here on Platform 9 and 3 quarters, Under the Tartan Sky. Scotland has been changing the world as we know it for centuries. One innovation at a time. The television, telephone... Even the tyres on your automobile are all possible thanks to Scottish ingenuity. And that's just the tease. In 2016, Scotland celebrates the Year of Innovation, Architecture and Design. It's a time to discover unique crafts, textiles and designs, including tartan and Harris tweed. A time to marvel at architecture both old and new, from the Scottish National Gallery in Edinburgh to Glasgow's Clyde Auditorium. A time to wonder at the engineering brilliance of feats like the Fort Bridge or the towering sculptures of the Kelpies. There's more to Scotland than bagpipes, whisky and breathtaking natural beauty. Come and experience the year of innovation, architecture and design 2016. Come and experience Scotland. In the Harry Potter movie series, the Hogwarts Express steam train makes a run from London's King's Cross Station, platform nine and three quarters, to Hogsmeade Station. But in reality, the train is the Jacobite steam train, and its journey begins not in London, but in the shadow of Scotland's highest Monroe, Ben Nevis, in the town of Fort William. From there, it twists and turns and climbs some 41 miles through the Western Highlands to its destination, the fishing port of Maleg. Along the way, the train crosses the famous 21 Arch Glenfinnan Viaduct, overlooking Loch Shiel and the Jacobite Monument. That's the scene made famous in the Harry Potter movies. It's unquestionably one of the great rail journeys in the world. Some say it is the greatest. Few people know the line and the train better than Florence McLean. Like the old folk song says, Florence McLean has been working on the railroad all the live-long day for some 34 years, rising from her beginning role as a trolley car server to her current role as conductor or guard on the Jacobite. While the Jacobite is largely a tourist operation and has been since 1984, this stretch of the West Highland Railway opened in 1901 as a means of expanding access to this rural part of Scotland. 
1967, the regular steam train service was replaced by diesel engines under the guise of the British Rail Modernization Plan. Then, in 1984, steam train service was reintroduced as a tourist attraction to boost the income on the line that had been built and operated with huge government subsidies. This steam service has operated under various owners and names, such as the West Highlander and the Lochaber, before being renamed the Jacobite, when it was taken over in 1995 by its current operator, West Coast Railway Company. Florence McLean was already working for the railroad then, so I asked her to share a brief overview of the West Highland Railway, both then and now. Malig is a it used to be a very, very busy fishing port with lots of traffic going up and mixed trains coming out, you know, with passenger trains and fish, fish wagons in the back. So it was, it was very, very busy and, and steam engines working hard all the time. There were certain engines made specifically for that line because it's quite a difficult line with all the, the gradients and everything that are on it. But then once the, the fishing sort of died away, you know, the, the, the line, was, it was very quiet. And actually at one point, I think, you know, they, they talked about closing closing uh, the, the Malag Park but and I think this is why you know they're, they're trying to get the tourists back to it and and certainly when the Jacobite came on you know it, it certainly has helped over the years and, and now obviously with the Harry Potter you know using our company for the filming and everything that's just it's went tenfold it's just went crazy with with tourists we can't really keep up with it but our company also run the uh, Royal Scott trains so that that also comes up uses a line and there's there's lots of specials now use a line so you know I, I would think that you know there's no problem with the line getting closed anymore well I would hope that anyway you know with the traffic that's on it and the people that want to travel on, on the, the Fort William to Malig line. So there are more trains running on the line than than just the uh, the Jacobite the Harry Potter Express there is regular train service for passengers and freight on the line? Yeah, there is. There's not so much freight anymore. There's a lot of the freight has been has sort of died away. But they have the ordinary service which runs. There's about four trains a day, um, Glasgow all the way to Malig. So there's about four of them a day. But they're just you know, like your modern trains, the sprinters. Um, so yeah, and they're they're very very busy in the summertime as well. But yeah, the, the Jacobite has definitely made a, a massive difference. So yeah, and, and and as I say, there's through the year there's um, special excursion trains as well that come up. The standard trains that are running on the line um, is that primarily um, commuter traffic going to and from, or uh, i.e. persons living in Malig who are going down to Glasgow, and vice versa, or is that a certain amount of tourist traffic on those trains as well? Yeah, I mean, it's it's for the local community. They're travelling to Fort William for shopping. They go to Glasgow. They're going, people going on holiday. But yes, they definitely have um, groups as well coming on the train, for, you know, tourists coming on the train as well. In the summertime, as I say, it's very, very busy. There's extra coaches on, on their trains as well just um, because there's there's so many. There's a lot of um, companies like, you know, they'll, like bus, bus companies that'll go so far with their bus and then they put them up, their passengers on the train and then they'll catch them at the other end and yeah so the, the trains are, are fully booked all, all summer Talk about about the line specifically and, and I'm generally talking about the Fort William to Malay run because that's uh, the run that the Jacobite makes the scenery on the trip is incredible. Um, I've made the trip, and yet it doesn't change from day to day other than just normal course of the weather. So why do you think the line has become so 
so exciting and, and special for tourists. Is it the scenery? Is it the Harry Potter connection? Is it a combination of both, maybe? Yeah, it's definitely a combination of both because before uh, we done the filming for the Harry Potter, I mean, the train is very busy. There's, the scenery is just amazing. On a good day, there's nowhere else like it in the world. It's just amazing. Even myself, who travels over that line, I don't know how many times, thousands of times, I find myself just looking out the window and just thinking, wow, <laughs> this is just something else, you know? So, yeah, and people come back year after year. You, you, see, the, you see the same faces a lot of the time coming back uh, on the train. Um, yeah, it's definitely, definitely scenery. And then, of course, the Harry Potter. Well, it's just you get people from all over the world now, all walks of life, want to come and ride the Jacobite because it, it's the Harry Potter, the Harry Potter Bridge, as they call it, the Glenfinnan Viaduct. Yeah, and, and I want to talk about that specifically in, in a moment or two. As you say, you've made thousands of trips on the train. What are some of the highlights for you? You've seen it all, and you've seen it day after day. Does it ever become routine? Is there anything in particular that you always try to watch out for through the window when you have a chance? There is. I mean, every day, you, you, as, as you say, I've done it thousands of times. Every day is different. Every single day is different. You know, it can be the colors. It can be just everything, the shades. Sometimes, I mean, I, I love going over the viaduct. I mean, that's just amazing. There's also, there's another one where you go over, it's called Loch Nanur Viaduct. You come out of a tunnel, go over the viaduct, and then it just opens up the the ocean. You just see the sea, and it's just amazing. It can be greens, blues. It's just depending on, on the weather. It's just, it's stunning, actually. Yeah, just every day is different. You touched on the fact that, that the grade of the of the line is difficult. And there was a time when they took steam engines off the line and then they brought them back. Um, I think that was in like 1984 when steam was uh, reintroduced on the line primarily to promote tourism. Is the line better suited for, for steam versus diesel? Does steam have a, a, a power capability that makes that more suitable for this particular line? You get you, there's certain engines that were built to go on this this line, um, so yeah, it's not every steam engine that could come up and go go on this line. Uh, so yeah, I mean you you try you know you're on a steam train when you're going up these gradients because you you hear the noise of the engine, it comes alive. Uh, when you're on a normal train, you don't even notice it. You don't notice it. It's completely different. You know you have to. People just. They're out the windows, they're taking pictures, they're, they're, they're videoing, they're taking, taking the sounds, the noise of the engines, and they're just some people, you just look at them, they can't believe how wonderful it is. Well, now, steam engines aren't built every day. I would think they're a somewhat limited resource, as are the, the people who are needed, the engineers, firemen, etc., people like yourselves mm-hmm. that are needed to run the trains. Is that a challenge for the railway to to keep those engines that you do have in, in top-notch condition? I would think there must be a great deal of maintenance uh, that has to be done on an ongoing basis. The, the, the engines that we have, they are so well looked after. You know, I think nowadays they're better than they ever were. They, they get looked after, they get overhauled in the wintertime, complete overhauls. If there's anything wrong, it gets fixed there. They, they get checked in the morning before they go out into service. They get checked when they come back in. Um, as for the drivers, firemen, and that they have, you know, obviously the drivers, the ones that are experienced, they're all getting a bit older now, and sort of some are getting retiring. So we do have a lot West Coast in the last few years. So obviously they've realised that you know that these people will be retiring. So 
we, you've a lot of young ones now come in, so it's late teens, early 20s, and, and they're getting passed out as, as firemen now and in the hope that, you know, obviously they, they, they could become drivers at some time, at some point. And it, it's just, it's great to see that, you know, that the young ones coming along and they've got such a, you know, they just love it. They, they get so involved in it and... You know, it's just good to see the young ones come and getting involved in it. Is there then some sort of an apprentice program or a trainee program that that does bring these young people on board and, and allows them to obviously, through experience, move up to become the engineers of tomorrow that will be running the, the steam engines? There is, yeah. I mean, a lot of them come as as young children and they sort of come as a support and just volunteers. So they're learning all the time, and then you know if, if they like it and. We have, in, like in West Coast, just for instance, last year that you know there was there was maybe about four four of them passed out to be firemen. So and and different ages, a lot of young ones, and there was there was sort of some middle age as well. So yeah, I mean, and and they get they get trained up. Obviously, they get trained up, and, and it's not they can't just do it overnight. It, it takes a while, a long while, just to um to get trained up and be confident to be able to to learn how the engine works and and know know laying the line and, and just know how to to respond to the engine. And I gather you don't have any uh, difficulty in attracting young people to this type of work? Not at all. Not at all. It's amazing the amount of young ones that are coming along and, you know, they're doing it from, they come up, maybe come for a week and if, if they've got holidays in the summertime and they'll come up and volunteer and just help clean the engine and clean the fire out and just polish the brass and, and, and you know, because they're looking to to get a, a way in, really, isn't it? It's a way in. So, yeah, no, no problem at all. We have a lot of young ones. Well, let's talk a bit about, you mentioned the Glenfinnan Viaduct, and that is clearly the, I think everyone would agree, it's probably the highlight of, of the trip, so much so that I noticed when I was on the train um, they actually make an announcement to alert everyone about five minutes before you approach uh, the viaduct because people do hang out their windows and, and take photos and whatnot because uh, it's an incredibly photographic um, yeah. or an incredible photo op. Tell me what you can about the history of the viaduct and, and when did it become such that you found it necessary to start making announcements on the train alerting people that, that it's coming up? So the viaduct was constructed by Robert McAlpine um, the construction began in 1897 and opened in 1901. It's 21 arches. I think it's located at the top of Loch Shiel and it overlooks the Glenfinnan Monument. Um, it's myself, actually, that makes the announcement. Uh, a lot of people only travel on the train so that they can cross the, the viaduct, the Harry Potter Bridge, as it's now getting known as. <laughs> so... I just want to make sure that, you know, when they've come all this way to travel on it, they, they enjoy the experience. They don't miss it because we can't obviously stop and go back and take another run at it. Um, <laughs> yes. So it's, it's really just so that people don't uh, miss out and don't get the, the photo opportunity, really. Yeah, there is quite a rush to the uh, to the windows and, and yeah. to the doors between the, the carriages, I know, um, in order yeah. to lean out and, and get that famous picture. And I have to say, it was, I, I'm not a Harry Potter fan. I, I don't think I've ever even seen a complete Harry Potter movie. Um, uh-huh. and, and I'm not a, a steam train buff. I mean, I know there are people who ride those trains just to, as you said, to record the engine sounds and the whistle blowing and all of that. I'm not one of those either, but it was the photographs that I began to see when I started to plan my trip to Scotland. I started seeing these pictures of the train crossing that viaduct and I thought, 
oh my gosh, I have to see that view. Um, And it is an incredible view. Would you agree that that is probably the highlight for most people on the train is is getting across that? And and I assume there are people like me who come not because it's the Harry Potter train, not because it's a steam train, but just for the chance to see and, and, and get your photo of that particular spot on the line going across that viaduct. It's definitely the highlight. People, they don't actually realize it. Some people come on, they don't even, they don't realize that it's a full day's trip. They just, they, they know about the viaduct. They, they know it's um, the Harry Potter. The, 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 it's obviously advertised so well, you know, they want to come and do it. Once they've done it and, you know, they'll say, when we get to Glenfinnan, we have a 20, after, after we go over the viaduct, we arrive at Glenfinnan Station where there's a 20 minute break. And then people will come off and they'll say, oh my gosh, that was wonderful, that was really good. And well, what's the rest of it like? And I'll say, well, when we leave Glenfinnan, it only gets better. You know, because they don't actually realise that the rest of it's just as good as going over the viaduct. That's true. And, and coming into Malig in particular is quite scenic because you're riding along and, and you're surrounded by, by the hills, the Monroes in the area. And, uh, and then suddenly you open out onto the sea. And yeah. it's just quite an amazing uh, view as you're coming into Malig. Yeah. Um, and that and that's a, a brilliant stop as well, because you do stop for, I'm trying to recall, you can tell me how long, but it, plenty of time for you to get out and, and see and, and do a little bit of touring and seeing around the, the city of Malig. Yeah, we, we stop for, um, we arrive at 12.25 and we leave again at 10 past two. So the passengers that go off the train, they've got a good hour and three quarters just to have some lunch just wandered about, take some photos. The, the, the now, uh, there's a boat trip now as well that takes them out to see the, the dolphins, the seals. Oh. Which, you know, it's just fantastic. On a good day, there's no, and I send people to do that on a really good day because I've done it myself a few times and it's it's just amazing, just amazing to go out there and, and they'll come back and they'll say, oh, thanks very much for telling us to go and do that. It was just wonderful. They'll show me the photos of the dolphins that they've got. And so, yeah, that's really good as well. Yeah, that's brilliant. I I don't remember that being available when I was on the train, which was right. May of 2014, coming up on a couple of years ago now. Yeah, um, yeah. This this will be the third year, I think. He maybe just hadn't started uh, on the, on the May. It might have been the June. I think he came to me and asked if I would, you know, get people to go down and so yeah. Yeah, I was. I think my trip was literally the first week that you were open uh, for the right. season when I was there in 2014. Um, right. I remember there's a great chippy shop right there in the train yeah. station. Um, and <laughs> yeah. so I had fish and chips uh, for lunch and fighting off the seagulls. The seagulls yeah. at, at the station in Malig are somewhat famous because uh, they'll go in and literally steal your chips away from you if you're not, or your crisps away from you if you're not careful. And there's a brilliant uh, little bookstore just across the street from uh, the station too. I'm, I, I love old books. And so I spent a little bit of time uh, touring around in there as well. Yeah. The Harry Potter connection. Let's talk a little bit about that. How did that all come about? There are a lot of scenic train rides throughout uh, not only Scotland, but England as well. And I'm sure Ireland. How is it that this train became the one known as the, uh, the Hogwarts Express now? Yeah, I don't actually know how it all came about. Obviously, I don't know how film companies work. Um, I just remember, obviously, you have a location man going about just checking everything out. And at that time, I mean, it must be about 14 years ago when we'd done the first lot of filming um, for them. And at that time, there wasn't as many steam trains going about. I think ours was probably one of the, the only ones up here. So obviously, they'd heard about 
the line and how good it was. So the, they came up and um, obviously had a, a look at the locations and everything and then approached West Coast and asked if um, they would do it for them. So really the first I knew about it was one of the bosses had phoned me up and said, you know, there's some filming going on, would you would you do some, would you work on it, be the guard on it? Obviously they need driver, guard, fireman on it as well. So I phoned home and I says, would you go out and buy me a Harry Potter book? Because I knew nothing about, I hadn't even heard about Harry Potter. <laughs> so from that day I was hooked. <laughs> I was hooked, yeah. So now you're, are you a big Harry Potter fan now? Uh, well, yes, absolutely, absolutely. It's, um, it's just, it's amazing. And, and when we done the film, and the, it was just completely different. Something that you know, you, I would never, probably never experience again. So yeah, it was just amazing, and they were, they were so good to us as well. The film crowd. So yeah, it was, it was something else. It was good. So was the filming done on special, were there special runs of the train for the filming or was this done just on routine service? Uh, I think the first year they actually closed the Malig line and um, like there was no ordinary trains to run on. They'd, they'd done most of the filming at weekends, maybe on a Sunday when there wasn't as many trains, you know, there wasn't as many service trains running. So they just closed closed the line to them and uh, put bus services on to get the passengers up and down. So we had the whole line to ourselves. Um, really what you see in the film is like, we, we spent days and days over the years doing different filming, running about uh, over the viaduct and different places, and you see about two minutes off it on the, on the films. So, you know, it's a lot of work for what you see in the film. But, you know, that's what they done. They actually shut the, uh, the line so that we could, they had the whole day just to um, do the filming and get, get it right. So did you have an opportunity to, to have any interaction with uh, with Harry or Hermione or any of the other stars of the show? Well, actually, when we done the filming, uh, they went on the train. They went on the train when we done the filming. We had the local schools. Uh, we had the children from the local schools as extras on, and uh, they had dressed the train up and filming people. You know, they, they work wonders, so I, we, I never actually met the people. Well, maybe someday. <laughs> maybe someday, yeah, yeah. Obviously, the line has become famous for that to the extent that some people know the train only as the Hogwarts Express and probably don't even know that it's called the Jacobite. Is that ever an issue with persons like yourself who work on the train? And the train was named the Jacobite, as I understand it, because there are yeah. a lot of um, connections to that historical part of Scotland, the Jacobite uprisings, in that general area. So does it bother you at any time, or, or is there any resentment that it's perhaps better known as the Harry Potter Hogwarts Express uh, than perhaps as the Jacobite steam train? No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't bother me at all. Um, it's just over the years, it's just become the Harry Potter train or, I mean, you still get the people that will come up, they don't know anything about Harry Potter. So as I say, you get different people, all walks of life and, you know, it doesn't matter to me. I quite like it being called the Harry Potter train. There is still just the one carriage, is that right, that is uh, done up in the Harry Potter, dressed as it was for the Harry Potter movies? Well, it was never really dressed up. It was just that we, we used that coach when we were doing the film, and so people come on, it's, it's compartment styles. Um, but the last two years, we um, it's actually been upgraded to a first-class coach because we, we have a first-class coach um, on the train, which seats 42 people, but the demand for first class was so high that um, they actually upgraded the, the compartments and made them first class as well. So 
you know, people come on. You do get the people that come on and they're desperate to to um, to ride on there, but because it's first class and and they're they're pre-booked now. But I'll always say to them, go in, take your pictures. You know, it doesn't matter if you're not riding on it, but you can go in and take pictures, and they're always happy enough with that. When I traveled, I chose uh, first class, and uh, at that time. My impression was, from what I, I gathered just from around the station, was that there was the one car and there were people that you had to queue up in the hopes that you would get to ride in that car, whereas first yeah. class was booked just like an aircraft. Um, yeah. You were assigned a, a specific row and seat. So has that now changed? Is that now well, pre-booked as well? It's, it's all pre-booked now because they are now first class. Um, yeah, they, they're all pre-booked. They're all, it's, you can book online or, or phone the main office in Canforth and... and um, and it's really just, unless you ask for that one specifically, you know, some people don't like them. Some people want to go into the actual first class coach, like the one you would have been in. Other people, I think they're really good if you've got a family of four, a family of six, and then you've got the whole place to yourself. Then, you know, you can shut the door and have your picnic or your glass of champagne or what. But, you know, it's it's just it's a personal choice, really. So so that compartment is, that carriage, let's say, then is compartmentalized where you have, like you see in the old movies, where you, you go into a little room with your, your two seats and you're able to close the door and it's a private compartment for you and your party. Yeah, it, there's six seats in each compartment. There's, there's okay. um, five compartments with six seats, yeah. Okay, because the first class that I was, carriage that I was on, it was set up with uh, two on one side, and then That's a sort true. of booth on the other side that sat four, four I believe. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, but but there were right. no, there were no closed off compartments. The carriage, the entire carriage, was open. That's right. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, so that that's been made a little bit different now. Well, that carriage is still there. The one you were in is still there, but the compartments are now first class as well. But they they are like in the middle of the train next to my uh, brake compartment. So, yeah, they're in the middle of the train. So there's the two. There's one at the front of the train and one in the middle of the train. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the first class service is, is I would, unless you're an absolute Harry Potter fan and have to ride in that carriage, I highly recommend it because it was a brilliant um, experience. I was sat with, I was traveling alone, so I, I was uh, sat with a young lady from Canada and then two uh, folks, uh, two ladies from Japan, and then across from us were uh, a husband and wife from England. So we had quite the international uh, yeah. mix going on just right there yeah. in our little group, and yeah. uh, um, and the the tea service and everything was just brilliant. And we had a, yeah. it was a wonderful journey. What has the Harry Potter connection meant to the train? If you had to compare passenger loads and excitement about the train when it was just the Jacobite and then afterwards now having become famous around the world as the Hogwarts Express, how would you say that it has changed and, and people's approach to the train has changed, if it has? I would say it's changed as in the number that the, when we, when it, before the Harry Potter, we used to start, we ran for about 13 weeks in the summer, started in June, finished in, in September, and it would start off quite quiet, and it would build up and build up, and then you would have a, a couple of weeks where it was just crazy, and, and, and then it would just tail off again. Nowadays, day one, it's just chockable. We're, we're actually turning people away. We've actually had to put a second train on now as well because, uh, you know, we were turning so many people away. The train was so fully booked and booked well in advance. So uh, for the last three, three years now, I think maybe four years, we've had an afternoon service as well, which has really helped 
uh, the morning train it's, it's it's taking a lot of pressure off the morning train so we can it, it gets pre-booked as well but we can always still I can put people onto the afternoon train if you know if they're willing to stay that bit longer and and, um, and go on that train so it, it leaves it leaves about two o'clock uh, no it's that sorry it's I can't remember the time it leaves back at two I think and it's back in at half past eight at night so that in itself is lovely as well because you're getting evening sunsets and things as well, which is just amazing. It's absolutely beautiful. Wow. I'll have to come back and do the, the yeah. evening train. <laughs> I, I did the morning train, and I can attest to it being booked. I was, uh, because your season opens, um, when exactly? It's mid to late May, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's the middle of May. So this year, I think we start on the 9th of May, and we finish at the end of October. Yeah, when I was there, I think your season was just beginning the last week that I was of three that I was in Scotland, and yeah. and I booked a, a good two months in advance before I even made my trip, and I was lucky to to even get on the train because I think there was only one or two days in the week that I was there and going to be available to take the ride that there were any seats available. It was already well booked out. Uh, yeah. A good two months in advance, right at the start of the season. So yeah, yeah, it's very, very popular. Yeah, so booking in advance is certainly a, a suggestion. Yes, definitely. The Hogwarts Express, the Jacobite steam train, is one of many that West Coast Rail Railways actually operates. You're sort of a the company is kind of a specialist in in this area. Um, are there some others in Scotland that you would suggest, or even in England, that you would suggest people might want to take advantage of if they are traveling there? I'm not really sure of what other service there is because I say I'm just so so focused on on my own drinks. I'm so busy. Um, I think that there's a there's one in up at Aviemore which is the Strathspey Railway. It's not yes. it's not a full day. It's not like what what this one is. I'm, I've never been on it to be honest, so I, I wouldn't like to comment. I think other people have been on it, and you can get meals and things uh, I'm, I'm just not sure well i'll tell you know. i'll tell you a secret i have been on it and you, and yes you can get uh, they do offer meals and they do some special right. runs holiday right. like they do a special train at christmas i think with programs right. for kids okay. but it is it's only a very short ride from avamore to uh broom hill uh, and that right. particular train uh, also has a little bit of media fascination with it i don't know if you're familiar with the story but whereas uh, your train uh, the jacobite is also known as the the uh, Hogwarts Express. The little train from Avamore to Broom Hill was the train that was featured in a long-running Scottish television program called uh, Monarch of the Glen. The Monarch of the Glen, yeah, that yeah. was a very good program. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and so it, when you get to the end of the line uh, on that train in uh, Broom Hill, they actually still have. It, it was in the move in the TV show. It was a, it was the fictitious village of Glenbogle. And right, so there's, okay. there are still Glen Bogle signs there that everyone goes and takes a selfie by. Um, <laughs> That's good. So uh, I, 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 those are the two train trips that I did make when I was um, uh-huh. when I was over I in Scotland. Do that myself, so yeah. you should, yes, you, you yeah. should go do that. When it, it's great, yeah. they have a wonderful uh, high tea service, and uh, but it's a very short. You know, it's only a couple of hour total round trip. It's it's a fairly yeah. short ride. But yeah. really brilliant, especially if you're a fan of, uh, as I was, of um, Monarch of the Glen, then it's yeah. one of those things you have to go do. Uh-huh, um, of course. What do you think passengers um, take away most from the experience of riding on uh, on the Jacobite? What What do you hear from people as they're departing? Um, the, you know, what kind of memories do you think they take away from the trip? 
Yeah, when when they're getting off the train, they'll come and thank you, you know, and thank you for your services. Because on the train, I think over the years, we've built up quite a good reputation. And and now we've got um, a girl who counts. She's taken over doing the the buffy service as well. Um, And she's just made a fantastic job. So, you know, and the staff that she has are very, very good, you know, uh, very professional. So I think people... You know, you hear them, they come and they'll thank you very much and you'll hear them saying things like, oh, I've seen that, that, or maybe they'll come the next day and they'll say, oh, that, that was the lady that served me or that girl served me. Oh, and they were very polite. And, you know, it just makes you feel good knowing that, you know, they're saying nice things about you. So, yeah, we, we do our best just to, to keep it professional and, and just help everybody and help them have a good day. Any special interactions or experiences that you've had during your years on the train? Oh yeah, well on on uh, this train we've had lots of proposals, <laughs> um, which is very nice. It's always good to get that. It's always nice and happy, and you know I've even had to take the ring along and and sort of you know hand it out as, as the man's on his knee, and I've made announcements about it. And then just two years ago we had um, a couple renewing their wedding vows which was in the first-class coach, and all oh, that was lovely. And they had their two children with them, and they had they invited the other passengers to stay. We could only do it when we were in Malik, so they invited some of the passengers to stay. So it was just, that was really special. It was lovely. I don't mean to sound sexist here, but this is not the typical role that you would expect to find a, a woman doing. And you've obviously been doing it since you were and I'm not trying to get into how old you are, but you've been on the train, as you said, for a number of years. So you've been doing this since you were a young woman. What is it that that attracted you to this line of work? How did you fall into this as a career? I think when I left school, I didn't really know what I was wanting to do. And I had an older sister who, in these days, you could sort of choose your job, choose what you wanted to do. There was plenty of jobs going about. And she worked in offices. She was a typist. And I thought, oh, well, she's done that. She really enjoys it. I'll just do that as well. And I did enjoy it, but it didn't fulfill me. It just wasn't really for me. So I, I was just this, this yeah, I, I can't really remember what had happened, but I just, I wasn't happy about it all. And my friend, it's, she worked in, um, you, you get the, the cafes at the station. She worked in, in one of them and she says, oh, there's jobs going. And I thought, oh, I'll just go along and I'll have a look and see. And it really just started from there in 1982. And I used to, I used to watch some, out on the platform, shunting trains, I'd stand there thinking, I really want to do that. And then I, I was at home one day, I'd, I'd sort of made my, myself known to them and say, you know, I'd really like to, to do something like this. And I was home at home one day and um, I seen a railway van going up the street and I thought, oh, that's funny, what's that doing up here? And, and then the, the inspector came to the door and he says, look, there's shunters jobs going in Fort William Station, I would like to put your name forward for it. And I said, yeah, definitely. And honestly, I've never looked back. I've just, I've loved it. I fell into it. It must just have been what, you know, I was putting this earth to do, really, because I, I, I've just never looked back. It must be in my blood. That's <laughs> all I'm It's in my blood. <laughs> the attraction of steam trains um, seems to be never-ending. I, I recall here in the States, back in 1976, there was a, a steam train that made a transcontinental trip from the West Coast to the East and then and then came back. And uh, I was a young television reporter at the time, and I remember riding that train, and, and it was all the rage. What is it you think about, obviously steam trains are, to, are certainly from a bygone era, but 
do you have a sense that because you meet and see so many people that are riding a steam train, what it is that makes uh, a steam train trip so much more memorable and remarkable than a trip under just a regular diesel engine? Oh, definitely. They'll come and they'll see the smell. It brings, it takes them back to the childhood. And then they'll tell you a story of their, they would be going to their grandparents for their holidays and they would all go on the train, mother and father and children go on the train and, and they'd be all excited because they were going to the, on their holidays and, and then just everything, the noise of the engine, the smell going through the tunnels, the noise. And it just it just brings them back to the childhood, and they love it. They love it, and then they'll say, "Oh, it's like forty years since I've been up this way," and "Oh, I remember this and and this person." So yeah, it, it just it's memories for them, I think, really. So, do you find that they, for the older passengers, the adult passengers, it's more a nostalgia thing, and for the younger ones, it's the Harry Potter connection on, on your particular train? Definitely, definitely, yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Florence is devoted to her job and West Coast Railways. At the conclusion of our conversation, as we were saying our goodbyes, she commented that speaking with me made her excited and ready to get back to work on the train. You see, while she's employed year-round, she does get a nice long break in the winter, as the Jacobite doesn't run the line then, because, as Florence alluded to, the line is notorious for its difficult gradients and tight curves. Not a good combination for locomotives when combined with Scotland's winter weather. The 2016 season for the Jacobite opens on May 9th and runs through October 28th. And yes, you can book tickets online now. A link to the website is in our show notes. This being an audio podcast, it is, of course, impossible to impress upon you the beauty of this train trip. You can find numerous videos of it online, on YouTube, and elsewhere. I've provided a link to what I think is one of the best of these videos in the show notes for this episode on our website at www.underthetartansky.scot. As I noted earlier, I made the trip on the Jacobite, a.k.a. the Hogwarts Express, and if you'd like to read about that trip, learn a bit more about the train, my own experience on board, and see several photos from my adventure, then simply check out my Scottish travel blog at www.aglenninscotland.scot. You'll also find a post there with photos about the other train trip mentioned in our show, the Strathspey Railway that runs steam train service from Avamore to Broomhill. Until the next call of All Aboard, I'm Glenn Moyer. Tapalev, Agus Alapuk Under the Tartan Sky is a production of Glen L. Moyer Creative Communications. For show notes and more information on this and all Under the Tartan Sky episodes, please visit our website at www.underthetartansky.scot. And while you're there, check out our online shop where you can buy exclusive Under the Tartan Sky logo apparel and other items. Have an idea for a future episode? Well, get in touch via email at info at underthetartansky.scot Visit and like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter where our username is at underscore tartansky That's the underscore symbol tartansky Sky.
and thank you for listening.